Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. Welcome. It's Rochester Today, Tuesday morning with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andrew. Good to see you again. <laughs> you too. What do you have for us on the mailbag today? Your shirt looks like a DNR game warden. <laughs> it kind of does have that color, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I am not impersonating an officer. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the mailbag, <laughs> Babylon B. <laughs> Californians announced the discovery of a strange new season called winter. Uh, as Southern California was covered in six feet of global warming. <laughs> <laughs> as Governor Newsom skipped off to Mexico, which he did. Uh, now he's back. And a lot of California mountain towns are isolated. They can't get at the people. They can't give them supplies. The winter has been horrific there. Again, global warming. Um, well, it is. I mean, the difficulties faced by the people with lack of food and everything else, my heart goes out to them. In the one town, their grocery store, the roof collapsed on it from the depth of the snow. But on the other part of this is California had been experiencing this dreadful drought for how many seasons in a row. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I remember the doom and gloom crowd in California saying, this is, this drought is permanent. This is going to be forever. We will always be in this drought. This yeah. is, and I thought, no, you won't. You'll be in this drought until the drought ends. It's, yeah, you, it's not unusual for that part of the world to experience this kind of a shift. I mean, it's, it right. goes for a long time dry because it is a desert, for crying out loud. Sure. And then you have the mountainous area, and they get pounded for a couple of years. It fills back up the reservoirs. Sure. And, uh, and the difference is they've got that many more people living in that part of the world compared to what they used to have living in that part of the world. And the water usage is through the roof and other aspects of it. That's it's, right. It's not so much natural occurrences. That's right. These global warming people just don't know climatic history. Climate and weather are cyclical. They just don't understand that. And uh, and then I remember farmers were deprived of water because uh, California environmentalists were trying to s protect the snail darter or whatever it was. Yep. It's just ridiculous. Well, that's still going on with this recent onslaught of water that they've had. There are many in California saying, hey, let's build up the reservoirs. Let's fill them to the brim. Let's build new reservoirs to hold this bounty that we're receiving right. that we need. And because of certain environmental rulings, usually from the courts, much of it, the runoff is being diverted right out into the ocean. Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. there's at least some recognition that this is kind of a crazy policy to have. Right. They've got to save it. And Governor Newsom, meanwhile, skipped off to Mexico, uh, didn't deal with it. He got back recently. And by the way, I just read an article about the crime in Mexico and uh, and Americans being kidnapped and murdered. And the State Department has warned Me uh, Americans not even to go to Mexico. Although the spring break college students are and uh, quite quite a chaotic situation. Yeah, that's for me. I think I'd find a, a safer place to be. But I've also read that and, you know, take it with a grain of salt because I, you know, I don't think you get an accurate picture that 
the people facing a lot of the violence and are those who often go off the beaten path in search of the very drugs, the recreational drugs that are causing the problems in the United States while they're on vacation in Mexico. Well, that's true, and then they invite trouble. But also the State Department has said that the tourist cities and the exquisite resorts are not safe because the cartels have infiltrated them uh, and control some of them and uh, know what the targets are. So, well, yeah, they, they have customers. They have customers staying in the resorts, and there's a always a turf war involved. If you have customers, who gets to serve those customers? You bet. Uh, from Rose, Tom on KROC. Dennis Prager said the other day when Ukraine left the USSR, they had a nuclear arsenal, and then they. He said that the U.S. agreed to come to their aid if they got rid of the nukes. Is that why we are coming to their aid? And I said, yes, Rose. And we have to remember that President Obama insisted on Ukraine getting rid of their nukes. Uh, Had they had them, Russia probably wouldn't have attacked. And then when Russia invaded the Crimea, uh, Obama sent them blankets, for God's sake. So... A lot of trouble there. And then uh, then Rose said, so how far do we have to go to defend Ukraine? I'm afraid we'll start sending troops, and that'll mean a draft. And I said, yeah. And Lezinski, Lezinski, Zelensky, the president, could send a Russian-marked missile into the NATO countries if he wanted to draw them into the war. Uh, and what irritates me, Andy, is, America gives more aid to the NATO countries or to Ukraine than all the NATO countries combined. Now, they're in that neighborhood. They're in the greatest danger. Why aren't they giving more? That's uh, So that irritates me. But, uh, but then Rose said, troops going to war under Biden, where would conscientious objectors go? Not to leftist Marxist Canada. Um, and, and she's right. And Canada is becoming a dictatorship andy the police are arresting pastors who who uh, who object to wokeism and and child gender changes um and and pastors who preach christianity the the canadian cops are harassing them i saw a video where they knocked a pastor down right into the street and then arrested him for for saying things from the pulpit that uh, would be perfectly acceptable so yeah canada has changed and uh I remember Canada even sent U.S. sent troops to Vietnam to aid U.S. troops there. And boy, have they changed. They lack a First Amendment. I've said that before. Uh, people should pay notice and value that First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution more than they do. You read amongst younger people in our country today polls showing um, that there is less and less support for a First Amendment and the rights it gives uh-huh. U.S. citizens. And I don't think they understand it is the linchpin to freedom. That's right. And I don't know why a reporter doesn't ask some of those clowns, do you want your speech rights restricted? Do you want someone telling you you can't say what you want to say? Why don't they just ask them that to so they contemplate what they're talking about? <laughs> It'd be okay. interesting to see the answer you get. Usually it would be... Well, I don't say anything bad. Why would I care? Oh, probably, probably. This is from Angie. She's a, a, a periodic contributor to the mailbag among our many interesting people, Andy. And she says, Angie said this, Tom, 
The DFLers in the House and Senate keep passing laws that Minnesotans don't want. Governor Waltz is eager to sign them, like continuing to tax Social Security benefits when the DFL is on record saying they would repeal it, but they don't. Uh, Minnesota is one of the highest tax states. It's not a friendly state for taxes for seniors. And that's why many workers are choosing to retire in other states. Hold on to your wallet. And then one more, uh, Andy. Uh, okay. From Criticus. Well, Biden's incompetence is getting dangerous. His nominee for positions for his administration are embarrassing and dangerous. His current appointee to head the Federal uh, Aviation Administration is completely ignorant of any of the issues or jobs that he is have, will have to do. He's like Pothole Pete at the Transportation Department. He doesn't even know what the FAA is supposed to do because the guy was up before uh, uh, Congress, Phil Washington is his name, and as Critica said, he was hired purely for affirmative action. He's a black American, and that's enough. He couldn't answer any of the questions that Republicans posed to him about the nature of the agency, its responsibilities, or what he would have to do. He had things like, uh, I'm not a pilot. I can't answer that now. I don't want to guess on that. I can't spell that out now. Completely incompetent, but meeting the affirmative action thing. Now, the guy had a nice military record. He served in the service, but he knows nothing. And as Criticus points out, that's the kind of people that Biden is hiring, and it's dangerous. That's the mailbag. That's the mailbag. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for participating in the mailbag. And uh, we'll continue in a moment. Uh, with more of Rochester today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM, and 96.9 FM. Attorney Joe Cordell, business owners and profession. Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM, and 96.9 FM. Welcome back to Rochester Today. Tom's here. I'm Andy Brownell. What do you want to start with, Tom? Governor Walsh signed a bill allowing criminals on probation to vote. Now, Democrats did reject an amendment to prohibit child rapists rapists from voting until they serve their full sentence. But other than that, the Democrats are trying to get more felons to vote. You know what that tells me? Democrats are aware (laughs) that the criminals are primarily Democrats (laughs) and they're trying to cater to them for voting. Uh, Previously, Minnesota required felons to felons to complete their sentence before regaining the right to vote, including probation and parole. Under the new law, felons will be able to vote whether they uh, are not incarcerated or whether they've fulfilled their their, um, obligations. And during the debate in the House and Senate, Republicans tried to amend a bill to prevent certain violent criminals on probation from voting, but the Democrats uh, paid no attention to that. And they're proposing changes to other things like uh, automatic voter registration and pre-registration for 16 and and 17-year-olds. And 60% of Minnesotans, Andy, oppose felon votings, uh, voting until at least they've fulfilled their sentencing requirement. The American experiment uh, has covered this and and covered that 60% uh, vote, yeah. Well, it's being presented by the Democrats as a civil rights issue that because of statistics showing 
minority residents in Minnesota are more likely to be convicted of a felony. This is depriving uh, a segment of society that is not fully represented in the political circles and ability to participate. It's about 50,000 people what we're talking about here. Yeah. So if you look at 50,000 people and you look at the average voter turnout for any election, uh, 50-60% on an off-year election, so you whittle it down even further in a presidential election, we're about 85% participation in election of registered voters. I better add that. There's no guarantee that all 50,000 of these convicted felons who are having their voting rights restored will actually participate by being registered. So you you could be talking about 25,000, 30,000 voters overall here. Um, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Right. But my point is, I think they oversold this a bit. I heard the flowery speeches given by the governor about how Minnesotans are welcoming people and we're going to welcome you back into the fold when you finish serving your time and you're no longer a risk to society. Well, our recidivism rates suggest that a lot of these people are still a risk to our society, whether they're minority members or not. Uh, We're seeing that time and time again. Now, there are some obviously, who learn their lesson and move on and live productive lives and I think should be given every opportunity to uh, rejoin society. But what would be so bad about them finishing up their probation before that happens, the way it had been written in law before, or even better yet, paying restitution to the victims of their crimes? That's right. But woke prosecutors uh, have uh, given them uh, no bail release and and release them and uh, let's face it, a significant number of these people are minority people that the Democrats invariably cater to, and uh, that's what they're aiming at, too. Well, as far as the voters, but I don't know if it improves the lot of the convicted felon a whole lot. Um, I think if you'd ask a convicted felon uh, reintegrating into life what the number one issues facing them are, Voting is not going to be on the list. It's going to be an ability to find a job that they can support themselves with and an ability to find housing. That's And a lot of these people are violent offenders and they're going to be recidivists. uh, And and that's that's a problem, too. I can see leniency toward nonviolent people who have a good chance of uh, being reformed. But but odds are those nonviolent offenders that have a good chance of achieving reform have completed their probationary sentences. Yeah. Because yeah. you have, you have the, the people we're seeing in the courts, um, it doesn't matter. It's across the entire spectrum of offender. Uh, you have the group that goes in, they get into trouble, they see the error of their ways, they grow up a little bit, and they move on with their lives. And then you have the others that for whatever reason, can't risk the temptation of whatever criminal element that they were hanging out with. And probation violations become multiple probation violations. So I wonder how that would work. So if you were convicted of a felony and were never sent to prison and were just given a probationary sentence, which happens often, would you not ever lose your right to vote? Because you never were incarcerated. Yeah. And yeah. then if you 
are on probation and you violate your probation numerous times, but yet still do not go to prison, would you retain your voting rights even though you're out there committing additional offenses? Right. And let's remind people misdemeanor means uh, a sentence uh, that puts you in a in a jail, county jail. And a felony is uh, a crime that puts you in a state prison or a federal right. prison. And any sentence over 12 months is considered a prison sentence. It can't keep you in a county jail for That's right. more than 12 months. That's right. Felony a year or more in prison. House DFLers line up to support ranked choice voting. That's RCV that we'll mention again, RCV. The Democrats want it. Uh, several years ago, uh, I was active in politics and political groups. And former House Representative Fran Bradley brought up this ranked choice voting that was sweeping the country. And he was alarmed by it. And he taught us all about it. I'd never heard of it and how dangerous it was. And would it come to Minnesota? Well, it is ranked choice voting. And the Democrats like it and Republicans don't. And it's so complicated and so subject to manipulation and recounts that uh, Democrats like it. It's manipulation. Uh, and, and they, and they, and they admit, and a Republican representative said, this will stop extremism. Uh, that means conservatives. Uh, and, and, uh, and we, we want it. And, uh, it is so complicated, um, that, uh, that it, it can be subjected to abuse and it favors Democrats. That's why the Democrats want it. In Alaska, a red state, Sarah Palin and other red candidates were defeated by people who were second and third ranked uh, in the first round of voting. And if you don't get 50%, you don't get office uh, holding. If you do get 50% plus one, you do get the office. If you don't, then they recount. And who's doing the recounting? And it benefits... Uh, um, Democrats, uh, and, and so Sarah Palin and other Republicans in Alaska lost the vote. It's so complicated. They've got to be counted and recounted and everything else. And Senator Kelly Morrison, DFL Deephaven, and Representative Cedric Frazier, DFL New Hope, have introduced the bill, and it calls for de- uh, protecting American democracy, make America a, a ranked choice voting uh, at, in, in state and, and local elections. And she said, we need this bill to reduce extremism. No, it's to stop conservatives and Republicans and reduce political division. And um, but it's not a unification thing. This the Senate and the House bills would implement ranked voting uh, in the state legislature, statewide elections uh, and even local elections. And, and if someone doesn't get a, a majority vote, then it's a recount. If you get 50% plus one, they'll get the office. If not, they got to do the recounting. And it's extraordinarily complicated. If you look up ranked voting on Google, none of the descriptions are less than one page of complexity. <laughs> and that leads to, to try to understand it. And that leads to uh, all kinds of mischief, I think. And uh, and Senator Mark Coran of North Branch said, uh, our system has worked for generations, ensuring every vote counts for a candidate. Now, ranked choice voting, he says, removes that insurance, removes the transparency, removes the simplicity of counting and recounting. 
and uh, and 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 it's uh, more likely to provide a winner who has earned less than the majority of votes in the recounts. And the third choices of people might well not be the best choice. It's a disaster in disguise. But anyway, uh, look it up, and I can't summarize it or explain it. But uh, it's 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 a sequence of first, second, and third uh, choice voting, and that includes not only candidates but issues on the ballot issues. And it's uh, it's it's very complex, but that's what the DFL wants. Okay, in Minnesota. And, uh, We've been yep. using it in Minneapolis and St. Paul now for a number of election cycles. And the selling point, as you pointed out, is they try to tell you that this will create moderation within the political realm, that the outlying candidates on either side of the aisle likely will not survive that first round of votes because of the proponent's view is that they won't be able to garner 50% <laughs> yeah. on the first vote, so they won't. But if you look at the city of Minneapolis elections, it hasn't it hasn't resulted in the election of moderate candidates to the Minneapolis City Council. It's, it's resulted in the election of far left liberal candidates to the Minneapolis City Council. It hasn't, in my view, it hasn't resulted in a moderation uh, you know, more moderate candidates succeeding, which I, from people I've talked to who try to sell it to me as an idea, say, oh, that's the best thing about it. You'll probably get more moderate candidates or uh, that would be successful in an election race. And I haven't seen any evidence of no. that so far. You're right. Okay. We have to take a break for news. We're already past that point. So, Tom, stick around and we'll come back with more of Rochester Today in a moment on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. On a Tuesday with T.O. Tom Ostrom. <laughs> I'm Andy Brownell. What's next on the agenda, Mr. Ostrom? Well, T.O., Mr. Ostrom, I'm going to comment on that uh, White House press secretary. She was hired because she's black. She's hired because she's gay. I don't know if her recent stand on things is because of her proclivities or her philosophies. Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary. Um, we'll call her KJP from now on. She's furious because the Republican Tennessee governor, Bill Lee, signed into law restricting drag shows on public property in the presence of children. And groomers have had the drag shows in front of these children. And he's restricted uh, the presence of those drag shows uh, in the presence of children or near schools in the state. And, uh, and Jean, Jean Pierre said, what is the impact of that bill? We should be concerned with the economy, with foreign policy. She doesn't say concerned about the border. And she says, what impact would that have on the lives of Americans? It's not necessary. It is, uh, it is, we have other issues that are more important, to, but she listed issues, but she didn't list, okay. list, didn't list the border, but she says, uh, what, just like Hillary, she sounded like, uh, what difference does it make? What sense does it do to have a law like that? That's her attitude. Okay. Let me ask you, was she responding to a question or did she just bring this up? Well, the bill that, that he was commenting on. Uh, I know, but why would this be brought up at a White House press 
conference. She, I, I don't know, she just questioned the impact that the bill would have on people. She seemed to have brought it up herself. When okay, she was well, that, that's, what I, that's what I need to know because I agree with her 100%. There are a lot more important issues to be discussed, but she's the one who brought it up in that bit. That's, that right. Point. Why? That's right. That's right. In other words, she's not concerned with drag shows in front of children. She said, I know. She said it's not important. Other things are. Why isn't this important? Well, I, I do think the economy, I do think the deficit spending and our debt and our issue along the border are way more important than this. I mean, I think this is a minuscule issue as well, far as the nation is concerned. I but I don't know why, why the press I, I, secretary would have to bring it up. Andy, I think it's deadly serious what's happening to children with these people. And she said, uh, instead of addressing the issues she she uh, listed, she said, we have a governor from Tennessee who has decided to go after drag shows. And then she said, what sense does that make? Well, to me, she says, how is that going to help children, uh, people's lives? Well, it'll certainly help children's lives. And I think that's deadly serious, that moral issue. So I'm I'm really surprised that she took that on. Well, I don't know if you're getting my point. My point is, to the overall scope of the nation, this is still a side issue, a very much minor blip in the radar as far as what's going to be happening to future generations. These other issues are far more important. Well, I, and I, I don't think, understand why this would be brought I, up I, I, I by just, the White House. Yeah, Andy, what happens to other to future generations is issues like that where we're isolating and sexualizing children and she doesn't seem to care about I, it. And I would argue, Tom, this is such a rare occurrence and it is so small and it's in the scope of things that regardless if you think it's a good thing or not, and I don't think it's a good thing. I just don't think it warrants a discussion by the press secretary at the White House press conference. That's oh, all. Well, boy, I guess I'm misunderstanding something, Andy. I, I, I respectfully disagree. My but. point is, my point is, if she was asked a question about the issue, and this is her response, okay, she was asked about it. But if she went before the press corps and said, "I want to talk to you about something today." And brought up the Tennessee issue. I'm going, what is that yeah. all about? Well, you've expressed it better than I did. She brought it up. That, yeah, that, that is uh, strange to say the very least. Okay. Yeah. Attorney General Garland overruled FBI agents. We often hear about the street agents that are more sensible than the woke administrators that run the Department of Justice and the FBI. And FBI agents evidently told Attorney General Garland, don't go after the Trump Mar-a-Lago documents. We've talked to him. He's agreed to lock away his uh, documents, uh, put a better lock on, on, on where they are. And, uh, and he has the power as president to decide what to do with documents. And Garland overruled these concerned FBI agents. He said, we don't like the optics of it. We don't like going there with guns. We don't need that. And Garland paid no attention to them. And he overruled them. And he ordered the SWAT teams to go into uh, uh, Trump's uh, 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 Florida residences to, to go after his his documents. But again, senior FBI officials said they didn't want to do it. It looked terrible. And he just told him to do it. Along that issue, we still haven't had a 
I guess, uh, an explanation as to just how top secret these documents were. And I know Garland has portrayed them as being, you know, national treasure, I guess. But these are some of our most coveted national secrets. And I'm like, like what? I mean, I, does did Trump have the plans for some exotic future weapon system in his locked room? Or did he just have mundane diplomatic exchanges that had been labeled classified in that sachet of documents? Mm-hmm. I, we, and that's, and I, my, my understanding is of this argument between these FBI agents and Garland that kind of fell along the same lines is how important is it to go in there and do a raid to do this? Mm-hmm. What, what are we talking about here? Is, yeah. is, 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 is it a real risk? Is Trump really at risk of trying to black some mail somebody with these documents? I mean, what, what was the point? Right. But it also gets back to my point and other people's point that the field agents are the sensible law enforcement people and that the FBI and the DOJ, but especially the FBI, should be headed by field agents with experience, not political appointees, lawyers who know nothing about law enforcement. And uh, Garland knows nothing about it. And and, uh, and, and, uh, and and the head of the FBI, Ray, was not an FBI agent. He was a lawyer uh, for elite groups. Uh, to me, the head of agencies, like a, <laughs> the fire department should be headed by a fireman, police department by police chiefs and sheriffs. And doggone it, the FBI should be headed by an FBI agent with street experience, not these clowns who are uh, woke politicians. I think Garland's going to pay a political price over the long term on this, but it's going to all have to play out, especially after what happened with uh, President Biden and the discovery of classified documents on his properties. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, but that's different. Yeah, that's different. Well, it is a little bit different, but it's the same central issue yeah all right what else do you have before we have to take a break fbi director chris ray told fox news the covid pandemic was likely caused by a lab leak well you got fauci who is now found to have been involved in discrediting the lab leak theory he's discredited it and he himself funded other people to write uh, uh documents that denied the lab leak theory uh, and that's what he used to go before Congress and to, and to oppose Trump on lab leak. But he was up to his neck in blocking uh, that theory and funded uh, scientists to go and write documents that did fund it. But Ray said uh, it was likely a, a lab leak. So even that's even that's political. And the well, sem- he is. He's the actually sem- been more forth to declassify all of that and. Uh, um, even Biden's in favor of that. The declassification of that information? Yes. Oh, good. Yeah, uh, the FBI director was much more forthright about that than I thought he would have been. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. And because initially the Department of Energy report was kind of, yeah, big deal. You know, what is it? And now, you know, yeah. But you're right. They, you know, it's still said that there's no consensus among the intelligence agency it's still an argument within the circle as to which way this went that's right well some people want to protect uh uh uh, you know the 
that situation. Uh, do we have another t- time for another one? Sure, go ahead. The Conservative Political Action Conference of Conservatives that meets uh, every year, this time in a suburb outside of Washington, CPAC it's called, they had a straw poll for the 2024 presidential race. Trump won the straw poll against all listed uh, potential uh, Republican candidates. And second in voting was Carrie Lake. Out of Arizona, right? To be to, Out of Arizona, the former news broadcaster who's an election denier. Uh, Carrie Lake was voted upon to be Trump's vice president. But Trump did better than DeSantis. Uh, and, uh, and, and other people. People just say, uh, he was a great president on the issues and he should be given a chance, uh, to continue his legacy when so many people in the woke state and Democrats and impeachment and everything tried to destroy him. And, and a lot of people want him to run again. Others think that would be a disaster. So, but anyway, the competition goes on, Andrew. The saga continues. Okay. And think about it. We're not that far away from really getting into the presidential election. We're only, you know, we're already March of 2023, the election. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this summer, things are going to heat up. All right. We'll be back in a moment with more of Rochester Today. News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Breaking news. Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. It's Rochester Today. Tom Ostrom's here. I'm Andy Brownell. So back to uh, foreign affairs and the international front. Ukraine war, I imagine. Yes. Go ahead. The Ukraine. Uh, uh, Some people are saying that Russia won't end the Ukraine war without the push from China. And China's going to aid the Ukraine if the war goes on, or aid Russia if the war goes on. Iran's going to aid Russia too. And uh, Belarus is going to aid aid, uh, aid Russia. Uh, but uh, people say China's going to have to push this for a diplomatic solution if it's going to happen. And the Ukraine is losing large numbers of troops. It boasts about Russian casualties, but Russia is on the offensive yep. in certain regions, and uh, the Ukraine casualties are not being reported fully. People say I read a, casualties are significant. I read an article, Tom, in this. It's been, it's been going on now for over a month. This fight over this village that is considered strategically important, but how strategically important? That's the great question. So this. Russian Wagner group, this private army that Putin has commissioned and one of his oligarchs has created and using convicts who are you know, murderers and rapists and others who are being basically given a chance that, and this Wagner group doesn't even deny this. They go into the prisons and they tell them, look, we're going to go in there and if you survive six months, You'll receive a pardon for your crime. And they're basically using these people as cannon fodder, uh, standing behind them with sledgehammers. So if you retreat without permission to retreat, you will be executed on the spot using a sledgehammer to the head. Mm. So these hundreds, 
if not thousands of these men out of these prisons are in a fight for their lives and they're advancing no matter what. And it's producing these unbelievable casualty numbers on the Russian side. But at the same time, they are inflicting significant casualties on the Ukrainians along the same war front because it's, it's just wave after wave after wave of suicidal attacks that we'll have, you know, to fight them off. You're going to lose equipment and soldiers at the same time. The yeah. Russian side, I believe the losses are more horrific, but they are significant enough that they're worried that the Ukrainian planned counteroffensive in the spring won't have enough personnel or equipment because this has been a strategy of degrading the Ukrainian forces at all costs, and it mm-hmm. may be successful. Mm-hmm. Scary stuff going on over there. And Russians are using uh, the drones that Iran is sending them quite successfully. Uh, the Ukrainians shoot down a lot of them, but not all of them. But the Air Force, the Russian Air Force is still not flying as much. Remember the beginning of the war? They yeah. were flying sorties, but they, they've lost over 200 of their fighter aircraft and other aircraft. That's right. To anti, so they're, they're just not flying sorties, which is Uh-oh. making it very difficult for the Russian ground forces. That's right. But the pressure on the U.S. and other NATO forces to send Ukraine fighter planes and Ukrainian pilots are being trained in the U.S. to cope with those, to deal with those, to fly those fighter planes. And to me, if they go up in the air, uh, there could be mistakes or boundary issues or uh, weaponry shot into uh, the wrong places. Uh, that could, uh, 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 Biden has been reluctant to send them fighter planes. But, right. but what bothers me is, again, the NATO nations are the ones immediately in danger, and they're contributing far less to Ukraine than the U.S. is. Why is that? Why aren't they so frightened by what could happen that they're contributing a lot more than they do in weapons and in money? And they're not. I saw statistics and their their contributions are minuscule. Well, even the Germans, some of the prior promises that they made as far as the level of support, they backed away from even that level. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is. And then, But what is the answer? Do you let Putin run ramshod over the Ukrainians? Do you um, oh, is Putin even remotely ready to have any real negotiations? Uh, are the Ukrainians ready to have real negotiations? Are they, are they willing to shave off a portion of their country in order to negotiate a peace? I, and would that I, be enough for Putin, or would he would just go after him anyway? I yeah, that's true. And Nigel uh, Farage is a United Kingdom uh, conservative. Uh, and he was a leader of the Brexit uh, movement to get Britain out of the European Commonwealth. And he was at the CPAC conference that we mentioned earlier. And he was interviewed and he said, I feel this war is going to go on for years. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and I fear for the result. And he said, Biden is heading us to World War Three. And he said, European and American British sanctions have forced China and Russia closer together, as well as other allies. Uh, And he said, uh, uh, when we were in the Cold War with Russia, the West, they never mentioned the use of nuclear weapons. It was mutually uh, assured destruction if anyone used it. 
uh, but we're hearing the word used now, and, I, and he said, I don't like it, but this war is going to continue for years. And uh, and he said, I don't think it would have happened if Trump were president, but Putin is saying the U.S. is weak. They withdrew from Afghanistan. But he said Trump's biggest achievement was his foreign policy. He was a peacemaker, not a warmonger, but peace through strength. And so Farage is not at all optimistic about where this war is going, Andy. All right, we have to run, Tom. But I will say one thing. that I think he's a bit mistaken about the Cold War. Uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis would be the best example of that. Uh, statements made by Khrushchev when he was president of the Soviet Union were very threatening before he began to pursue detente uh, and that was followed by Brezhnev, but Stalin as well. I mean, uh, there was violent rhetoric for sure during the Cold War. There was, but President Kennedy, in facing down Khrushchev and Khrushchev him, uh, withdrew missiles from Turkey that threatened uh, True. Uh, uh, Russia. And Russia withdrew from uh, the Western Hemisphere uh, on Kennedy's pressure. Uh, in the Cubans incident, but, uh, <laughs> but what you said is correct. And, uh, and I recall, uh, that what I just said, and that was a complex, dangerous era. You bet. All right. We definitely are out of time. Tom, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks so much. Always appreciate the show. So we'll speak with T.O. again in a couple of days. I'm Andy Brownell. This has been Rochester today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. If you have an IRA or 401k, please listen closely.